Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. This is Daisy, and you're listening to What the Actual Fuck. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck. Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to another episode of WTF, a This Country podcast. Now, I'm with the man. He sends so many texts, even Gifcaf can't keep up. God, God, I can't. <laughs> yeah, it's like a tongue twister <laughs> already. I've been practicing that <laughs> as well. Even Gifcaf can't keep up. And never leave your tent unattended, because he will dump on it. It's Neil! Hello. Hello. I've never... I've, I've, text, maybe, but no, not in a tent. Are you sure? Yeah, positive. Positive. All right. For one, I don't like camping. No, <laughs> even though you are the campest man I know. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you do that. Anyway, our superfan guests this week. Firstly, if you are a Doctor Who fan, she will be instantly recognisable as a faithful companion to not only one, but two of the Doctors, and was described on a, uh, by a daily publication as a time-travelling temptress. Ooh. That dog. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we also have a writer whose credits include Dead Ringers, Private Eye, and he is also the author of the Mervyn Stone Mysteries. Please welcome to WTAF, Nicola Bryant and Nev Fountain. Hey! hey! This is where we put on the uh, applause uh, sound effect there. <laughs> so how are you guys? We're good, thanks. Good. Yes. Thank you. Wonderful. Now, the first thing I've got to say, I've, I've, I've got to make a... Um, uh, What's the word? Announcement? Anou- not an announcement, but a confession. I remember Nicola seeing you on the Black Adder Christmas special. And, I, th- and I thought, what a great English accent she does. Because <laughs> I thought she was American. <laughs> oh, right, OK. So, what a fool I was. So, uh, anyway, I don't want to get that out of the way, because it's been bothering me for years. <laughs> that. I never thought I'd actually get a chance to say that to you to your face. So, so you right, let's fire in. Um, so, when did you guys first stumble across uh, this country? Um, well, it was pretty early on, I think. Thanks it was to Trevor. Trevor Cooper, yeah. who Nicola was with on Doctor Who. He fought the Daleks. Uh, <laughs> Len fought the Daleks. Yeah. <laughs> There's an episode. Yes. Yeah. I think he was tweeting the fuck out of it, really. Yeah. <laughs> he was doing about 100 tweets about this country. And we thought, oh, well, we better, we better watch. tune in because yeah. we're mates. So we <laughs> better go and watch his thing. And... Uh, 
and we got hooked, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We fell in love, and uh, and it it was like a sort of it was a double uh, joke for us because Nev has always said he's he's always told these wonderful stories of life in his village, <laughs> yeah. and I've always said you should just put that on the telly, and we went, hey, they put it on the telly. <laughs> So did you come into it when the first series was... Did you binge the first series, or were you watching it every week? We uh, we watched it week to week, didn't we? I, I think, think we watched it week to week at the beginning. Which yeah. is, I think we iPlayed it yeah. uh, week to week. We don't usually come on board uh, week one with any, any series, but we did with that. It was, it was, yeah, that was unusual for us, but, you know, we enjoyed it. So yeah. we kept uh, coming in week to week. So... Obviously, you enjoyed the first series. Second series has just finished. How did that compare to you from the first series? Did you, th- you know, did you find uh, the strengths in it? It made me sad. Oh, yeah, well. I'd well, that. as well as, you know, lots of laughs and some fantastic. Um, I mean, I, I just thought it's it's now just, you know, it's it's like my garden. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of sun, you know. Mm. It's really blossomed in the, in the second really series. You really worry about uh, the quality because it's so yeah. effortless. Yeah. You know, speaking as a as a lower working class person myself, <laughs> I always found like the royal family a bit forced to me and a lot of other kind of like, you know, stuff about working class people or upper, lower middle class people. Uh, always found a bit like mannered, but I, I thought this country was so natural. It's so natural. Like I, I get disappointed when I see them as actors. You know, mm. <laughs> I saw uh, I saw the Reverend, I saw the Vicar on uh, what's it called? Um, the film Death to Stalin, Death in Stalin, Death of Stalin. Yeah, I was disappointed. I was disappointed. <laughs> it wasn't real. It's like, uh, Daisy may pick up the bath, but it's it's sad that she's not real as, <laughs> as a person. So I, I don't really kind of, I just watch it and enjoy it, and I don't worry about which episode's best. Ah, oh, that was going to be the next question. Uh, in Series 1, what was your, did you have a standout episode in Series 1? Ooh. No. <laughs> no. no. I mean, yeah, each week you just, you've got, like, I get one joke literally every week that I will chuckle about for a week until the next week. Mm. You go, oh, now it's the one about the bicycles. Now it's the one about, you know, um, fashion. <laughs> I, think I like the one with the, in the caravan with the, the, with the pervy uncle. Um, yes. The dad, Peeping Tom. Yes. Peeping Tom, I did enjoy that one because I know a lot of people like that. I knew a lot of people. I found that sad and funny when 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 uh, I go for the sad funny clash. <laughs> um, when when Daisy decided to join that pyramid selling scheme that wasn't a pyramid selling scheme. No, checking the disgusting gunk that she'd spent a fortune on because we know people who've done that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and I did like the tattoo one. Because I do like Big Mandy, because I knew someone a lot like Big Mandy when I was growing up. There's always that kind of person around the village. Mm. Always a person like that around the village, and there's always a person like Martin Muckler around the village. There's always those characters in the village, and uh, Big Mandy is a personal favourite of mine. <laughs> it's the first time he's telling me. Yeah. 
Is so, that, I was going to say, is that one of the things that you find endearing about the show then? Because you can relate to so many of the characters that you... It's a little bit like we've said before about The Office, that there's so many people that have worked in Office think, I know somebody like David Brent, I know somebody like the other characters. Is that the same sort of thing with this country? Yeah, I mean, every village has got the angry old man that just won't leave his garden. And I say, had a, we had a... I mean, you, had, you they've got Big Mandy, I had Margaret Carrot, who was... Uh, <laughs> She was a bit back and, and big, and, and she had this uh, relationship with the dirty old man in the village where he'd try and uh, take her to bed and she wouldn't have it. But it was very much like that kind of uh, this country type relationship. He was called Fred Goode, would you believe? <laughs> and he used to joke about the force of his ejaculation. He used to say, would knock your hat off. Really? <laughs> it was to her, and she would just sort of not have any of it, but it was that kind of little sitcom relationship that I had growing up, which I can associate with Big Mandy and people like Led and people, you know, and, and, and the guy and the kids sending the uh, the letters to uh, to uh, to Kerry as well. That kind of like the, the, the saucy letters. Yeah. It, so that kind of small town small town relationship, which I, it just really strikes me. So I have to say, I have to say, Nev, that, that with the fact that you know those characters, why have you not written a sitcom before the, this country with the characters like that? I, I tried a long time ago, but I found it too painful. I did write a play about my dad's band when I, before I became a professional writer, because my dad had the, the worst pub band in living memory, really. They were called Just Us, and they were execrable. execrable. Right. And they actually got on the first Dead Ringers pilot, because... John Culshaw saw them and wanted them as his backing band, as William Hay. <laughs> Brought them down to London. We reformed them. Uh, it was my dad, Mick Skellett, his, his mechanic, and Graham and Roger. And they brought them all together, this awful pub band, back together after 20, 30 years to play behind an impression of William Hay to a working men's club in, in, in West London. It was quite something. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I only, I, it's kind of like it's, it's my past and I don't want to kind of... Uh, I kind of moved on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nicola, if Nev's favourite character is Big Mandy, what's, what about yours? I, the thing that I relate to most, other than the fact that I've listened to anecdotes for like a decade now, um, and Nev's kids always say, oh, tell us about your teachers, you know. So it's all this kind of weird world that we kind of go, really? Is the, the having your cousin as your best friend. Mm. That was something that my family practically insisted on. <laughs> so, so we would have to go and spend, you know, Boxing Day all day with our cousins. And then our cousins would have to come over and play. Um, and we weren't the closest of friends. But there was that thing where you, this is what you have to do. Um, and I suppose in a, in a small village, and I grew up in a, in a small village, but more like Midsummer Murders, really. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I kind of relate to the fact that these two, that's kind of like if you, if you take away having good parents or siblings of your own, which I had, then you've got your cousins. <laughs> and so I love the fact that, she, you know, he tries so hard, doesn't he, to take care of her. You know, to give her her birthday present, to to get a card. That was so painful. I'm trying to get the dad, and he just wrote, you know, his initial mm. on the birthday card. It's 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 funny but true. You know those kind of you know feckless parents who just do nothing. <laughs> um, sorry, that's Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> Agreeing <laughs> with you. Thank you, Harvey. He, he knows 
wise I can. <laughs> uh, so when it came to Series 2 then, was there any particular episode in Series 2 that uh, that stood out for you? Because like you say, there's a lot of bittersweet moments in Series 2, a lot more than Series 1, I think. I think so. I think really the when suddenly... Um, we found out that Curtin considered he was a bit of a fashion guru. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. He had to, despite... Going to TK Maxx for yes. a month. That's basically, yeah, that's like, <laughs> like going down to Man at CNA in the high street. Or, uh, <laughs> what was it, Topshop? Topshop. Yeah. Kind of, uh, you know, small village, trying to be trendy kind of stuff. I mean, I remember when... In the early 80s, at Small Village, everyone was into the kids from fame and everyone wore leg warmers. They'd never been anywhere near a dance studio ever, but they were wore leg warmers. And it was that kind of... It's the same with Mandy and, uh, and uh, Mia Cats. It's that kind of culture, mm. Small Village, mashed together. It, 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 it's, it touches me. But, yeah, I do like, I do like the TK Maxx. And the fact that that just was, you know... It, like, that's TK it. Max. TK Maxx. Come on, Vicar. Um, and and the whole the fact that we did know there was going to be nothing wrong with her leg, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we did kind of know that. Oh, yeah. I think for the, wasn't the first series the one with the scarecrow. Yeah, yeah, that was the very first episode, the scarecrow. That, that was brilliant because well, I do have that small village. You know, my mum ran the jam stall for thirty years. You know, um, that small village fate thing. Um, so, uh, you know, the whole village fate competition, we have we have a village hall where people compete with their their marrows and their cucumbers and their their spring daffodil bulbs and, and all of that. You know? <laughs> it is. A, it's that kind of uh, it's the it's the yeah, the, the tradition and the modern mashed together. It's the chaos of, of kids with nothing much to do. We used to go down and just hang around the phone box because that was about it for a village. <laughs> And we had the bonfire every year, the village bonfire. And when that stopped, my dad took it over. So we had the bonfire in the back garden. Mm. And everyone in the, all of the kids in the village just brought their fireworks up and just set them off. And it was <laughs> like, like the song. And it's, it reminded me of the Scarecrow competition because it's kind of like tradition, but it's not. It's kind of like Curtin just going apeshit doing, doing this traditional thing. It's, it's that always that kind of nudging against the frustration of being a young kid and mm. all this stuff. That he has to deal with over, you know, decades past stuff. You know, all, all I love the fact that he's essentially an optimist because everything he talks about, he goes, you know, oh, it's really great this this thing we do with the scarecrows, and and it's really great that we have this, you know, this uh, cricket match. It's really great that we have this tradition. This and and somewhere you think, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's very kind of yeah, yeah. He really tries to be chipper all the time. I think that's why he's so good. The thing with them is that it's their goals that are so small, but you know, to them, making it is working at Halfords in stride and having a having a flat. That to them is the bright lights, and that's why. And it's also it feels we've said before that it feels timeless. Apart from having mobile Mm. phones, it could be set in the seventies, could be set in the eighties. You know, making a den at a dump is something that that all kids kids did. Playground and uh, you know just uh, yeah going up the, the playing fields and just making uh, when we used to make forts out of hay bales you know just really piss the farmers off and just <laughs> and, and and that's yeah that's your life you know you're just running around the river yeah. you know fishing you know chasing sheep 
It's <laughs> not much to we do. We never did any sheep chasing, but we went fishing, never caught anything. And then we just kind of, you know, gorge on, on the, the wild berries that you could find mm. covered in stains and then go, oh, sorry. Covered <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> in muck and you had the freedom though that I think that's the only thing that I would say feels slightly different in that I was I had the freedom of a village as a young kid to just head off for the day and then come back on my bike Mm. and so long as I was back for tea that that was it and I don't think kids that young would have that freedom I mean they're older um you know uh Daisy and Curtin but young kids wouldn't have won't have that same freedom now they just walk off to, to see the banner, see Kerry's happy birthday banner. It's, I, that was kind of very much like just walking off with kids out through fields and through woods to just go somewhere. Mm. You know, my was in the next place, and I always walk there to see him, and you just walk along with the tracks and things like that, and you just walk and walk and walk. That's what you do. Mm. Or you bike, mm. but you walk. It seems like the one thing that's different with Kerry and Curtin is that they don't seem to have any parents that really give a toss about them. It's the vicar that seems to be the person that they go to. Like like you say, when they went and they were going to be late for the, the, the tractor show, it's the vicar they called to come and pick them up. They didn't call Martin or, or Kerry's, you know, Kerry's mum or anything like that. And that's... It's, it's, it's bittersweet again. It's weird that they've got this... Um, they've got a lovely relationship with the vicar, haven't they? I think. Yeah. There you go. No. Harvey agreed with me. <laughs> He's a great character, and it was so sad when his son came back. Mm. Mm. And that was the kind of like, yes, he'd made it really, hadn't he? He'd gone to Bristol. That's that's big. That's the big city. Yeah. And yet Bristol had given him nothing but anxiety and drugs and, mm. um, you know, he had to come back. Yeah. And also in that episode, which I found um, sort of telling, was um, Kerry visiting the old person and having the two meals. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> which was very funny, but also I know people that have done it, maybe myself. <laughs> no, not quite like that. <laughs> My grandma in the same village, she was kind of like a Mrs. Bridges. So most of her garden was, um, you know, fruits, and, and I would literally... And her house was almost opposite where my dad's office was. So I'd just spend the summer there and we would just cook all day. We'd cook cakes and then everybody would come round and eat the cakes. And then we'd cook pies and crumbles. And, you know, I had a really good pastry thing going on by the time I was seven. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Something on Blue Peter about you must be in touch with your with the old people. So I started going around to my nan straight after school and she'd have a biscuit and an orange squash waiting for me, so I'd watch Danger Mouse and then go. And then gradually, my brother did it too, after I'd started it, and gradually the whole village ended up going around my nan's after school. <laughs> <laughs> for a biscuit and an orange juice, and she, she didn't mind at all, she loved it, but, you know, yeah, her house was full of kids after that. But it's that truth, isn't it? Because the old lady didn't mind Daisy going there. No. And, and- because she just the company whether she was willing or not was company mm, that's um, right of, of being yes i think that is <laughs> sorry he's quieter if he's with us than if he's not <laughs> no, no that's fine um so right i'm gonna uh, quite a hard question to answer do you have a favorite between kerry and Curtin then as a character oh i yeah i i do like kerry i like the way she just 
even when she's not talking, I do like the way she does the camera. I love the bit when she was being a do-gooder and she was just like grinning at the camera, like how brilliantly she's doing. I think she just fills that. I like the way Curtin speaks and I like the way um, Carrie just inhabits the silence very much. <laughs> I mean, uh, Curtin has a great blank face. It's mm-hmm. very effortless. It's very much um, uh, mm-hmm. like a guy from The Office. Guy, a Mackenzie Crook. Yeah, he has a good poker face that, that, that reminds me of kids around the village. But Kerry has an, a wonderful set of expressions which I, 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 I like. Oh, I find that really difficult to answer. <laughs> I, I love watching Curtin work something out that he's just not got the hang of yet. Like the whole business with the wheelbarrow. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, working out how something is done. But I loved when he was discussing in the last episode, which was one of the big laughs in the last episode, about really it was a competition as to who was the most stupid. Mm. You know, the descriptions of the stupid coming from stupid, mm. which which was fantastic. I mean, I do, I like, um, I, I think I like the, the the vocal range of Kerry too because she really does, and she plays the mum, doesn't yes, she? Yes, yes, yeah. Which um, I didn't even recognise. I think in the whole first series, and then suddenly I go, "Oh wow, brilliant!" Um, yeah. So I I do think, whereas you know, there is more of a kind of you know we're on more of one note with 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 Curtin because that's his that's his personality. But it wouldn't work yeah. if he wasn't there. I mean, he yeah. has, he is probably slightly more authentic that kind of, when he does to the TK Max, you really believe it. It's like, I don't know, I, I can't see him in any other part or any <laughs> other control. I, I can't see it. I can't mm. see it. He's so, this country, it's, it's weird. It's weird. He'll do it and then it'll just freak you out. And that's what actors do, like yeah. being English in Blackadder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Actually, just going on from that that point, um, as we're recording this, they've just announced that there's going to be uh, a special and uh, a series three. What right. do you, what do you want to see happening to Kerry and Curtin in the future? Oh, it's that thing where you know the, your heart wants um, Kerry to wise up to her dad and 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 you know just become a little bit stronger and self-sufficient and, and all of those things but you know if she did all of that most of the, then the comedy would go mm. you know it's 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 like the you know the the two people in love who won't admit they're in love in a series the minute they admit they're in love then you've kind of lost that whole chemistry thing in a series um, so in a way, you don't want them to grow particularly. You just want to watch them <laughs> in their situation, dealing with their their their, their daily problems. Um, uh, maybe I, you know, Curtin's girlfriend didn't last very long, did it? <laughs> no, no, no. That's true. Be a, uh, you know, uh, maybe I'd like to see a bit more of, you know, Curtin on a date. That might be interesting. <laughs> that might be comedic. <laughs> I like I do like Kurt when he's in a position of responsibility. I hope he keeps the job in the bowls club. I yeah. do like that. I think um, there is potential for him to have different roles within the city. Uh, you know, and, and and him pretending to have all the authority is very funny. 
So I'd like to see that side of him more because it's just so kind of wrong. <laughs> but I guess it, it, you see people like that as barmen all over, you know, little village pubs. So, you know, it's, it feels very right as well. It doesn't feel right that he's, he just carries on doing nothing. Mm. Sooner or later you get a job and sooner or later you, you get something to do. I mean, he, he went to college, didn't he? And he, mm. uh, he did. I'd just like to see him keep a job for a, for a series and just to, just to see, yeah. Uh, just to see the change, you know. All the great things he can buy from TK Maxx. <laughs> yeah, as long as he's there at the start of the month, though. That's the thing. Drive, I was going to say driving lessons so we could drive to TK Maxx. <laughs> yeah. ah, in driving lessons, yeah, very important in village life. They've got to get, they've got to get their driving license. Exactly. Right. Before we uh, uh, chat a little bit about your your careers, um, we're going to have a little bit of a quiz. Uh, I don't oh. know how good you are on. on <laughs> I love that look on people's faces. <laughs> Okay, we're going to play Kerry or Curtain. I'm going to give you a line of dialogue. You have to tell me whether it's Kerry or Curtain. Who would like to go first? I'll go first. Okay, <laughs> here you go then, Nev. Are you ready? This is the first one. You know what? I'll give it a bloody good go next time. Curtain. That was Curtain. Well done. One for one. Uh, number two. Feel the weight of that. That's how fucking big he was. <laughs> no, 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 sorry, no, this, these, these are all, these first five are for you, Nev. Oh, these first five? Yeah, okay. sorry, you got five each. Sorry, I should have said. I should have said the <laughs> rules of the game before. I'm terribly sorry. I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so, number two is feel the weight of that. That's how fucking big he was. Um, curtain again. No, that was Kerry. That was uh, with the ashes of the cat. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, we all thought she was going to drop it. Yes, we did, yes. <laughs> Number well, three. That'd be, too, that'd be too sitcom. That'd be too sitcom. I would be really disappointed if she just dropped right. it. Right, yeah. okay. Number three. Uh, it was like a choice between waiting 12 hours for midodgems to get erected or spending a fiver on time machine tokens. Oh, I know. That, that, was, that was Kerry, wasn't it? That was Kerry. Well done. Uh, number four. It's just a great big dump in the middle of a tent. Well, that was when they were walking through, but which which one said it? It's It was Kerry. It was Curtain. When, oh, he, when he opened he... up the zip and he saw it, saw it in uh, there. Uh, and the final one for you, Nev. I said from the start it was dodgy. It whiffed of dodgy. Curtain. That was Curtain. Well done. How many is so that? So three out of five. Three now. out of five for Nev. Right then, Nicola. Are you ready? Oh, Here we go. I hope this isn't going to cause any rifts between you if you win, Nicola. <laughs> Here we go. Number one for you. The problem with living in a village like this is you're always bumping into the local nut jobs. Curtain. Well done. It is curtain. Number two. I can feel the tension. Yeah. Feel the atmosphere, <laughs> the atmosphere with a knife. Uh, number two. I'm feeling quite nervous now. It's getting... Just relax. Okay, I'm getting right. Okay. Number two, worst thing the vicar could have done was told me he didn't have any insurance. Curtain. That was Kerry oh. in the hospital. Oh, the other one. Yes. yes. The, other, the other insurance. Yes. Number three, I'm yes. checking for knives and shit. <laughs> Uh, 
I'm checking for knives and shit. Oh, where were they? They broke. Oh, where were they? That was at the dance, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I have a guess. You've got 50 50 chance of getting it right. <laughs> what? Sorry, was it? Person. It was Kerry. Oh, when she was on the door, she was on the door uh, dressed as Andy Fordham, uh, <laughs> checking the people, uh, taking the tickets for oh, Greece. Oh, yes, before the... the uh... Yeah. Uh, number four, my theory is some dirty bastard shagged a fox. <laughs> um... I can't believe I'm saying that to a Doctor Who girl. I really can't believe <laughs> <laughs> that my career has come to this. <laughs> well, again, that was that episode where they were walking through the woods. Right through the woods, yes, mm. where they found the... Um, Who are you going for, Nicola? Could be neither. <laughs> Kerry. It was Curtin. <laughs> it was Curtin. And the last one... A hard hat may protect you from a falling brick, but it won't protect you from banter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this, really is more is tense. Tense. this is more tense than a quiet place, it this is. is. <laughs> <laughs> Curtain. That was Kerry. Oh, I knew whichever one I said. Did she say it to him when he was doing his job? Yeah, that was like one of the talking heads, wasn't it? To, it was. To the camera. How many was that? Nicola, you got one. Oh, not not one. too bad. Not too bad. Could have been worse. It could, it could have been worse. Could have been worse. <laughs> well done, now. <laughs> well done, indeed. Right. Uh, I was going to say, now, um, Nicola, obviously, we, we've got to talk a little bit about Doctor Who, if that's okay with you. Because being a Doctor Who companion, I always, I've always equated it to the same as being like a Bond girl. There's not very many people in show business that have done the job. When you got the part, did you realise quite how big that responsibility, is that the right word to say, of being a Doctor Who companion? I, it was exciting because at least the first job I got pretty much out of drama school was a job that when I told people what it was, they'd know what it was. Right. <laughs> Normally, your first job, you're trying to explain nobody knows that play and nobody knows that part. And no, so I knew that to be able to say I've got the part of the new companion in Doctor Who was something that everyone could get excited about because you know everyone could relate to that. I didn't realize that I would still be that that something called Twitter would exist. And that uh, I would still be, you know, uh, involved with fans who still follow me and take an interest in what I do and turn up at the theatre and go watch my movies and stuff like that. So you're kind of like, wow. Um, or that I would still, you know, even go to um, conventions and raise money for charity because people remember me in Doctor Who. That's a kind of bizarre part that I just is really weird to relate to. I mean... There's still the big finish. So I have been playing Perry for um, over half my life. Well over half my life. Mm. So it all gets really personal. <laughs> it's yeah. like you are. It's like it's your, it's your, your Jekyll and Hyde. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a part of you rather than a part you've played almost. 
Do you find that the fans have got sort of more obsessive now than they were years ago with the new batch of Doctor Who's and all the conventions and things? Um, I mean, I suppose it's 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 kind of bigger in in the sense that like the budget is bigger and so everything is bigger and and you know. Uh, but I don't I don't know. I think the fans have have always been the way fans are something that's long term they kind of they own it and and now for me it's still the, the same fans but they've got their kids watching it mm. or their grandkids um so um yeah I, I don't know I think I think the fans of there are all different kinds of fans though there is there is that there is there is the the minor kind of obsessive fan which we have witnessed now that we've got a, a female doctor coming right I'm never going to watch it again, and blah, 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 it's been ruined. And and then I go, well, you're not a fan, because <laughs> if you're a fan of the show, you go with the show, and you you know you 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 love it, and you follow it in all its shapes. I love every Doctor we've ever had, and then I get really really sad every time the Doctor goes, because I go, oh no, I really really like that one. That was definitely my favourite. Oh, who's next? <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's that's the joy of it. Um, it puts you through that roller coaster to be a fan. Um, so um, I think I think it's still got this incredible loyalty and and joy involved in the show. So um, uh, I just think it, it's an amazing thing to have you know, to be followed by these people. I'm on Twitter and people follow me. Why? Because I did something thirty something years ago. Um, you know, it's not the latest thing I've just done that they're following me for. <laughs> it's that, which is extraordinary and wonderful um, and, and really quite humbling. Mm, Have you ever had any strange requests at Comic-Cons of body parts to sign or things like that? Yeah. What, what's what's <laughs> been the worst? You can tell she's scarred. Don't bring it up, Pav. Don't bring it up. I think the, the weirdest was I signed... Um, a man's bottom, okay, naked bottom, um, so that he could have my autograph tattooed onto his bottom. I'm thinking, so how do you see it? But then, you know, you don't ask a lot of questions. <laughs> um, he'd, he'd had he cut out a very large jean flap pocket <laughs> in the back, so it just flapped up, and you got this. The hairy bottom. The difficulty was actually where to rest the other hand in order to sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh dear. dear. Was, it, was it quite? You know. Was it quite was, a, quite a pert bottom? Was it so that it was quite easy to write on? Or um, not the most pert. No. <laughs> as long as it was clean, that's all I'll say. And it was clean. Yeah. <laughs> so Nev, obviously, you spoke about writing years ago a play that you wanted to do, and with the successes you've had, how did you get into actually becoming a writer? And is that what you always wanted to do? Yeah, it was literally the only thing I thought I could do. Every job I took was literally to have a day job while I wrote. So everything, I was been a teacher, worked in a toy shop. I, I've done all those things, but it was always to earn money while I was writing. Uh, I became a professional writer through BBC Radio. I... I uh, approached uh, Weekending, which was an old satirical sketch show back in the 90s. And that's literally the only 
open door show you could go to. And uh, you can walk in in your anorak with your plastic bag, sit down at a meeting. And if you were good enough, you got on the show. If you were very good, you got commissioned and you go on to Roy Bremner or whoever or, or, or you know, anything on TV comedy. That was the way in. Right. So when you were writing for Dead Ringers, how did that work? Did you have the impression first and you wrote a sketch for that impression? Or would you go to like John Coltrell and say, I've got this idea for so and so. Can you do that impression? It kind of works in parallel, really. Uh, you get to know the impressionist and you play to their strengths. You know, right. You walk, once uh, John had cracked his Ozzy Osbourne, we did a load of Ozzy Osbournes. But if you're doing topical comedy, you're always pushing and trying to get one impressionist or the other to do. I mean, we're all pushing. Uh, can you do Bilardi? Can you do David Cameron? We really need a David Cameron. Can anyone do a David Cameron? <laughs> have to manage without one for a long time uh so it, it it's it's a bit of cart and horse thing uh you, you the sketches you write you've got them in mind you know you, you used to write a load of william hague sketches because john could do william hague or ed Miliband or as i said ozzy osborne or uh with some other impressions you know you, you play to phil cornwall's strengths or, or lewis now so uh, yeah you 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 you, you target them or you put their impressions in a sketch that you wanted to write to lift the sketch. So if you wanted your sketch to make an absolute impact, your, the, the, the joke you were selling, you put in an absolute corking impression that you know would get applause. So, you know, if I wanted to do a really cracking uh, political sketch and I was trying to sell the idea, I'd put in a Diane Abbott from, from Jan because it would get an applause anyway and, you, and the sketch would stay in, hooray, because <laughs> people were enjoying the impression. So, yes, there are always ways, but, um, yeah, it's, it's part pushing and part responding, reacting. Right, because you mentioned earlier on regarding, sorry, um, regarding the, the, the scene with the, the, the vase, if you like, or the, what was it, the urn, the, uh, yeah. and you said it'd be very sitcom if, if she dropped it. Do you find it hard to watch things like comedy and be a fan, as opposed to being somebody thinking, well, I wouldn't have done it that way, I would have written that slightly different? I do, yeah. It is a busman's holiday for me. I actually prefer watching uh, thrillers and things like that. And I watch thrillers anyway. Uh, well, I read thrillers and I write thrillers. But I do find it more relaxing to watch people being murdered than watching people doing jokes. There is a, more of a tension <laughs> in comedy. I mean, it is interesting. But it's specifically about depicting common people. I used to be a huge fan of Abbey's Park play. It's a thing, it was brilliant. Uh, and uh, it, it was even more funny because the actual picture they brought downstairs was actually hanging up in my auntie and uncle's house for age, <laughs> the naked lady with the swan. So it kind of spoke to me, but I don't like it now because I feel it's overly patronising and, and they're actually quite too stupid. They actually, the, the things they say are too stupid and, and, and kind of trying to grab a laugh just by being thick. It's that effortlessness of Kerry and Curtin that, that I enjoy because they're not stupid and they're quite savvy as well. You've got to be stupid in a certain kind of way, which I enjoy. But, yeah, I find a lot of comedy difficult. I prefer uh, actual straight gags and topical shows. I watch a lot of the American stuff, you know, uh, uh, Late Show with Stephen Colbert and, uh, and uh, Real Time with uh, Bill Maher. You know, just chat shows and topical gags because I can appreciate a quick topical gag. 
uh, watching a, a whole sitcom from start to finish is, is quite a nerve-wracking experience, particularly when it's not very good, like that, that, that last John Cleese one. You're trying to kind of will it to succeed, and every minute that goes by without a joke, you're thinking, come on, come on, do it. Do it. This is the BBC. It's pre-Watershed. You can do this. <laughs> oh, he's stuck in a in a door, in a window, and he's obviously not stuck in a window, and it's not been blocked, and it's not been thought through, and uh, the lines are not landing, and the performances are weird, and it's, it's like, we used to do comedy. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's quite tense. Yeah. So- that said, you know, um, I really think that they they deserve to be on BBC One. Mm. I really because um, it's it is better than a lot of the comedy that they're putting on BBC One. Um, so you know. Um, what do you mean, David? No. Oh, this cooking. Simon Mayhew Archer's producer on this country, and I work with his dad, Paul Mayhew Archer, who was an excellent, is an excellent script editor, writer, and producer. Ironically, he script edited my sitcom, uh, which was set in the West Country, but in the 18th century. And I saw Simon Mayhew Archer tweeting about it, and I go, "Do I know your dad?" And he goes, <laughs> "Yes, you do." He says, "Hi." I go, "Hello, back." <laughs> so it's lovely. Uh, it, it's you know. It's he. He was he's great uh, um, comedy man. Looks like his son's a great comedy man as well. Certainly looks that way. So, where would you like to see this country go? In what direction? Where? Or, I mean, what would you like to see happen? I, I just say I, I do like it when when I do like it when sitcoms evolve because I, I think sitcoms, contrary to what people say, is. They always say they're always going to be at the back at the start at the same time. I don't think that's the case. Sitcoms evolved. Only Fools and Horses evolves, evolved. You know, people grow, they perform relationships. They can't keep doing the same jokes time after time. So, as I say, I'd like to see Curtin keep a job. I'd like to see a little bit of, you know, maybe a relationship happening here and there. Maybe Kerry getting someone in a kind of weird, freakish way. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I, I do believe sitcoms should develop just like dramas. Uh, I think it's just a, a weird kind of uh, rule that we all invented that sitcoms have to go right back to the start in, in every half an hour. It's it's not really the case. No, as you're saying, I've, I've really enjoyed Curtin having that job. Um, so if Curtin had a job and a boyfriend, what effect would that have on Kerry? Right. You know, that that would be interesting to see how you know um, awkward that makes her feel, um, and where that takes her, and and whether she therefore you know. I think anything that puts their relationship under the microscope, like the yeah. last episode, works. So Kerry getting a boyfriend or Curtin getting responsibility, it always kind of like helps it along. Do you think that they'll ever leave the village? It'll be a different sitcom then, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be, yeah. It would be them in Bristol or something like that. They'd leave for 20 minutes and come back. Yes. Yeah. Be a bit like the vicar's son, you know. It would be that, you know, leaving and realizing it's actually impossible because they're not equipped. Yeah. They were. They didn't go when they were, you know, sixteen. They're, they've stayed and stayed and stayed, and therefore now it, it, the 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 momentum is not to leave the village. The momentum is to make the village work yeah. in all its different forms. You know. Um, you know. Maybe... It is. It's like. I mean. It is. 
it's part of the realism that they that they won't leave. I go back yeah. to my village in town, and there's always the people I was at school with propping up the bar. Mm. Uh, my brother lives about ten miles away from where we grew up and everything, so it, it would we'd be weird if they did move somewhere because I think it's in their DNA to stay around. As I say, TK Max seems to be the biggest hurdle, <laughs> the, the biggest journey. <laughs> It could be the new last of the summer wine, couldn't it? They could come and revisit it in 40 years' time and they're just doing the same thing. <laughs> well, it is. They will be yeah. like that, but in the pub, they're having a drink. And, yeah, they will be. It, it's, it's, it stays like that. It is, it's like, like the village, the prisoner. The prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, like you're not allowed to leave because of, of the psychology of it. Mm. Yeah. Not be the same if they went, but they have to stay within that. It would be interesting to see if, if, I mean, the only thing that comes into the countryside is, of course, the threat of development now. That's the other kind of like, you know, whether something, a sudden uh, a state of, you know, 50 houses in the middle of nowhere because they've sold off a field, mm. which is what happens now without school transportation, what effect something like that might have. Or, you know, the problem with keeping the community going, with the vicar, I mean, I mean, how many villages have a vicar and a functioning church? I don't know. I mean, that would be an interesting thing because he seems to be, <laughs> he seems to be a little bit of an anachronism, the vicar, uh, in that sense. I mean, there are other people who run, run villages, but not necessarily vicars. No. Just busybodies run village these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the arches. I'm not sure if the vicar does that, but it'd be interesting to see his job being yeah. subsumed. They normally uh, put dioceses together and he has to go all over the place. Mm, absolutely. Well, right, um, yeah, it was. Thank you very much, you two. It's been very nice talking to you. It really has. It's been. Um, it's always nice to be able to chat to real fans that we can just geek out with for like half an hour, 40 minutes. Um, have, what have you guys got coming up? Have you got anything uh, interesting that you can tell us about that's coming up in the future? Oh, I can't. I'm on a project which is probably a good year and I'm not allowed to talk about it. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> intriguing. That's intriguing. Star Wars. Something. I never have, I never do a podcast or anything when I'm busy. Oh, right. <laughs> Oh, I've just been in, and I've just finished. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so in about a year's time, we'll know about this, will we? Mm, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully I'll be able to say something in a year's time. Wonderful. Yeah. We'll have to come back and discuss oh, the, yeah. uh... that's That's a date. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, professionally, obviously. <laughs> Nev is always, uh, I, I don't know how he does it. He's extraordinary. He's the man who literally escaped his village by being in a writer's brain. If right. You know. <laughs> 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 Uh, Nev's always got about 20 jobs on the go. I don't know. Well, um, I've got... Well, uh, Dead Ringers is coming up for another series in the summer. Um, Private Eye carries on every other week. I can write on every issue for that, which is always a joy. Uh, I'm writing my second straight thriller novel to, to uh, my follow-up to my one that came out last year called Painkiller. And uh, that's... Uh, that's consuming me at the moment. Right. Uh, writing a play and um, and putting a pitching uh, for a second Dead Ringers play because we did one uh, in January about an alien, a 45-minute, and I think we're trying to do a, a second one because it worked 
quite well. And there we have it. You're making That's... us all feel very lazy. I'm telling you that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just in my head, you know. I'm not actually doing anything. I'm just thinking about it. Right. right. <laughs> That's, the... That's yeah. the way to do it. <laughs> on while I watch, uh, watch Netflix. <laughs> Well, Nicola and Nev, thank you ever so much for spending some time with us. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. And if you can just bear with us just for a couple of seconds, we've got a little bit of housekeeping to do. Uh, you can email us, wtafthiscountry at hotmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at wtafthiscountry. If you want to come support us, go to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash wtaf. And all of our other podcasts and all the other gubbins we get up to, pancast.co.uk. Well said, pal. I had to write it down this time so I didn't yeah. forget everything. <laughs> so that's it. So once again, thank you very much, Nicola. Thank you very much, Nev. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Wonderful. So this is Pavo and Neil for Pinecast Productions, and that is your lot. Go and get plumbed, you fuckers. Got it right! <laughs> <laughs> Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.